0: Listeners, before we start the show, just a quick announcement. Did you know that we have a Spectacular Science membership? Well, we do! You can get interactive activities, articles, and exclusive episodes, and a course, by signing up for this exclusive membership. These are all bonus activities, articles, and episodes. You can get access to them by signing up for this membership. You can sign up at SpectacularSci.com membership. That's SpectacularSci.com slash membership. Remember to sign up to keep the science rolling and to have fun at the same time. Okay, that's it for the announcements. Remember to sign up to the membership. Now... Enjoy this brand new episode of Spectacular Science!
1: Xen is a type of medicine that trains your body to fight any foreign agents.
0: Plants are helpful for the ecosystem.
1: It's an electronic device for
0: storing and processing data. The nervous system is all the collection of nerves in your body. Yeast is a eukaryote. Welcome! To Spectacular Science, where it's all about science with your host, Auction. Uh, cinnamon. Let me open my eyes. Oh, I was right! Let's smell this now. Smells sweet. A bit tangy. Oh, that's the smell of an orange. Let me open my eyes and... Yes, I got it right again. Let's smell this thing. Oh, eh, 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 have two. Oh, I definitely know what that is. That's pepper. And yeah, I was right. Eh, have two. Phew, sneezing. Oh, hey listeners, didn't see you there. Welcome back to Spectacular Science. I'm Akshay. I'm just exploring my kitchen and smelling different things. I love this game where I just smell something and close my eyes and try to guess what it is. Except when there's pepper involved. You know, that makes me sneeze very hard. Well, anyway... I was just wondering about how we actually smell things and how we recognize those familiar smells. Hmm, I should ask someone who's an expert in smell. Who should I ask? Oh, I know, I should ask Dr. Rachel Hers. Dr. Hers is a neuroscientist and is an expert in the psychology of smell. She's wrote several books like the scent of desire, while you eat what you eat, and that's disgusting. I'm gonna go visit her in her smell lab. Okay, just close the door behind me. And, running to her smell lab. Finally! We're here. Let me just open the door here. Hi, Dr. hers It's great to see you
1: today. Hi, actually It's great to have you here.
0: So I was really curious about smell when I was just smelling around my kitchen. And I was really curious about how we smell and how smell affects our emotions and our behaviors. So I was hoping to talk to you today.
1: Well, I'd love to talk to you today.
0: So first of all, can you please introduce yourself to the listeners?
1: I would love to. So... As you just mentioned, my name, it's Rachel hers and I have been studying the sense of smell for over 30 years, so quite a long time, mm-hmm, yeah. and I'm a neuroscientist, and I specifically study the emotional, psychological, perceptual components of smell, as well as the brain aspects of smell, um, and how it affects our behavior, our motivation. I also look at how, and cognition. I also look at how food is influencing us and how we influence our experience of food through our senses and emotions and uh, all, all kinds of things related to the sense of smell, food, flavor, taste, and eating, and especially connected to the science and psychological aspects of that.
0: So what is the sense of smell and how do we actually smell?
1: Well, the sense of smell is a chemical sense and as is taste, And what this means is that the stimuli in the environment that we are detecting when we're perceiving smells are chemicals. And when it comes to to smell, they're chemicals that are floating through the air. So this is in contrast to vision, for example, where we have electromagnetic radiation, which we perceive as light and colors and so forth. And we see things that way or pressure waves, which our ears interpret as sound. So with smell, we're interpreting chemicals that are floating through the air. And what happens is when we breathe and when we're inhaling, specifically, especially through our nostrils, we are bringing in air, which, by the way, very interestingly, the basic components of air, like oxygen and hydrogen and helium and so forth they don't actually have any smell we can't pick up the smell of those chemicals we can only smell other kinds of things which are basically like the colors on the canvas that we are particular that we're picking up and those are the smells that we're picking up in the world around us so we inhale through our nostrils and the smell molecules come in and they land actually on a patch of mucous membrane right up at the top of your nose so basically if you could stick your finger in high enough, you could actually touch it because it's directly exposed to the environment, which is one of the special features of the sense of smell. And these molecules bind to receptors that are on that surface and interact, produce a particular kind of code that is then interpreted by the brain as a specific smell.
0: Well, that's a lot of things going on inside of us.
1: It is. And what's really cool about the sense of smell, like I said, because the receptors are directly exposed to the environment, they're constantly being damaged because of the fact that, you know, they're right out there. And so they're constantly turning over. So unlike in any of our other senses, we're getting a new nose basically about once a month.
0: Oh, well, that's a mind-blowing fact. So last month I could smell differently and this month I could smell like way more differently.
1: Well, it's not so much that you're going to smell um, things differently because you have, so this is another really cool fact, is that the receptors in your nose, unless you have an identical twin, are ever so slightly different from everybody else's. But those receptors that are there are getting turned over the same one. So you smell things ever so slightly different from everyone in your family, unless you have an identical twin, I don't know if you do, (laughs) um, and everyone else that you know, but When you have this turnover, it's not like things smell different to you because it's the same cells that are specifically turning over in your nose. But it can mean that at certain periods of time, things might smell a little bit weaker because it's not all turning over all at once. So if we're losing some neurons that are, let's say, detecting cinnamon, cinnamon might you know, ever so briefly smell less strong to us. And then when we've gotten the new neurons that are detecting cinnamon, it'll smell like usual to us again.
0: Well, that's a mind-blowing fact. (laughs) So how do we recognize familiar smells, and how do we remember those smells?
1: Well, another really, really cool thing about the sense of smell is that as soon as we have an experience with a scent, we develop and form a meaning for that scent. So before you ever smelled anything, the smells in the world around you did not have any meaning. So our responses to smell is not innate. So unlike, for example, you know, when you taste sugar, it's automatically sweet. doesn't matter how old you are. Newborns, if they have a tiny bit of sugar on their tongue, will instantly smile. And everyone around the world finds sugar sweet. And likewise, everyone around the world finds bitter very unpleasant. And this is actually because of the meanings of these nutrients. One one being carbohydrates for sweet, which we need for energy and survival. And the other is bitter is usually indicative of something poison, even though not always. But anyway, these are hardwired responses to the chemicals that we detect in our mouth. But for smell, anything out there could have a particular meaning depending upon how we stumble across it. So as a function of our environment, we may come in contact with a particular smell and it means one thing, but that same scent or something that smells just like that in another environment could mean something else. So we have to learn based on our experiences what smells mean. And as soon as we encounter a smell, it has a meaning that becomes attached to it because of what's going on around us. So, for example, there may be uh, specific smells of cuisine which, for you, have particular meaning, but for somebody else, because they've never smelled it before, they're either going to say, you know, that doesn't have any meaning to me, or because it's something that they don't know, it's unfamiliar, maybe they'll think it's kind of yucky, until they learn, oh, this is the smell of this really delicious meal I had at Akshay's house. So, as an example like that, so we learn smells immediately upon encountering them as a function of the experience we're having with it and then that smell becomes familiar to us it has a certain meaning to us and then when we smell it again we know what it is but interestingly we don't walk around with a library of sort of smells in our mind's nose so that is to say you couldn't sit there right now and really conjure the smell of what you had for dinner last night you could say I know what we had and it was like this and I enjoyed it and I you know whatever but it won't be exactly the same as if you were really smelling it in front of you Unlike with vision, for instance, you could close your eyes and you could see your bicycle perfectly or see your bedroom perfectly. With smell, we have to encounter it again, and then we go, yes, I know this, and yes, this is what it means. But just to make things slightly more complicated, the situation that we're in when we're encountering the smell can actually sometimes change how we perceive it. So there may be a smell which is a little ambiguous, and you smell it, let's say, in the kitchen, and you think, oh, that must be this certain kind of food that I like. But if you smell that same smell in a completely different situation, let's say in a back alley, you might think, hmm, maybe that smell is something bad and it can be the exact same smell. So we're constantly having to interpret what the smell means as a function of both our past experience with it and the situation we find ourselves in when we're smelling it.
0: Well, those are some fun facts. So how can what we smell affect our emotions?
1: Well, our sense of smell is completely intimately and uniquely tied to the areas in the brain that process emotions. This is unlike any of our other senses. And in fact, our most immediate response to a scent is actually an emotional one. So, I like it or I dislike it. That's an emotion. And this is actually because so where what happens in the brain when we smell? So going back to your first question. So we have we have these receptors which are up at the top of our nostrils and then they're interacted with and they the signal goes to what's called the olfactory bulbs. There are two They're basically about the size of small blueberries and they're at the level of your eyebrow one on each side of your head and they're underneath the main part of the brain the main part of the cortex and then from there the signal goes to an area of the brain in the limbic system called the amygdala hippocampal complex and the amygdala is where we process emotions and emotional memories and so what's referred to as the primary olfactory cortex So where in the brain smells are really being worked on is the part of the brain where emotions and emotional memories are being worked on. And this is unlike any of our other senses. So the immediate experience we have when we're smelling something is emotional. And when we're experiencing something that has emotion at the same time as smelling something new, that emotion becomes bounded to the scent and that particular state and the two become one and the same. So you could smell something connected to something that made you feel happy and that scent can make you feel happy just as if you were really doing something in the outside world. So we can use smells to completely trigger emotional states without in fact having to have the real experience at that particular moment because it's totally bound up and interconnected with our past experiences of emotion.
0: Whoa, that's amazing. So what books have you written, and what are they about?
1: So my first book was called The Scent of Desire, and the subtitle is Discovering Our Enigmatic Sense of Smell, and it's basically all about the sense of smell. (laughs) Uh, So it's everything you ever wanted to know about the sense of smell, you can find out there. And... um, After that, actually, what's very funny, and I think maybe you and your audience will like this, is that after I wrote that book, I got asked to do a lot of things that were smell-related and smelly in and of themselves. And one of the first things I was asked to do was to be a judge for the National Rotten Sneakers Contest. And the National Rotten Sneakers Contest at that time was held in Montpelier, Vermont. It was was an annual event. It's actually written up in the Farmer's Almanac. It was a big deal for the town. And, you know, the person who was telling me about this said, well, you get to spend like a long weekend in Stowe at the ski resort, and it's really fun. And it's kids from around the country aged 8 to 15 who've won the the local fair stink-off with their sneakers being super smelly, and now they're bringing their (laughs) sneakers together, and then the smelliest sneaker is going to get judged to be the winner. (laughs) And so I thought this sounded fun, and I was convinced when I was talking to this person on the phone, and then afterwards I would tell people, guess what I'm going to be doing in a few months? And they would say, are you crazy? Those sneakers are going to be so awful. Do you know what kids do with their shoes? And I started to get pretty worried about this and how disgusting (laughs) it was going to be and then the contest came around and I had really psyched myself up to thinking this is going to be like this was a really bad mistake this is going to be just a terrible experience (laughs) and when I came to smelling the sneakers now I'm not saying they were good they were definitely very stinky but it wasn't as bad as I expected it would be And that's because I'd really psyched myself up to thinking this was going to be extremely disgusting and terrible. And then I started thinking about the emotion of disgust and how interesting it is and how our mind has so much to do with how we interpret things, which is actually just like it is when interpreting smells. And I thought, that's what I'm going to write my second book about. So my second book is called That's Disgusting. And it's all about the emotion of disgust. And why we feel disgusted and how disgust actually is a uniquely human emotion and all kinds of things connected to those feelings. Um, And so it turns out also that disgust is a taste-based emotion. So the face that you make when you're tasting something super bitter, you know, sticking out your tongue, scrunching up your, your mouth and so forth, that's the same face that you make if I said that you should take your shoes off and walk barefoot over some wriggling earthworms. Oh! <laughs> so when we're disgusted emotionally and mentally, we actually make the same face that we do if we're tasting something super bitter that we want to spit out. And partially to do with that and also partially because I love to eat and because food is extremely dependent upon taste and smell, which and I've also, along the way, in addition to studying smell, have been studying taste for a long time, decided that what I would really love to write about is food. And so my most recent book is called Why You Eat What You Eat. So those are the three books I currently have out for regular general consumption,
0: (laughs) as it were. Well, uh, that's a really interesting story in that you wrote your books on like real-life experiences that you had, which was really amazing.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: So what advice do you have for kids who want to go into the field of science?
1: So I love this quote from Socrates, who is the Greek philosopher that you've probably heard of from a long time ago. And he said, wisdom begins with wonder. And I think we all need to really cultivate our innate sense of curiosity and delight in discovering the world around us. And if you have that sensibility, you really need to stoke that passion and keep pursuing what you're really, really interested in. And don't be afraid to study things that other people tell you aren't a good idea or aren't going to get you a job or things like that. Because for instance, when I decided I was gonna go into studying smell when I was in graduate school, everybody told me, professors and so on, this was a really bad idea. Nobody cares about the sense of smell. And that's actually relative to our other senses. Most people don't really care about the sense of smell. They think vision is extremely important, hearing is extremely important, and then the other senses, much, much less so. In fact, I recently have just done a study where we looked at how people would be willing to give up their sense of smell or hearing or vision for various kinds of things and I found that for example in comparison to what would you rather lose your cell phone or your sense of smell about 30 percent of people said they would rather keep their cell phone than have their sense of smell but whereas nobody said they would rather keep their smell their cell phone than vision so in any case I'm just telling you that you should follow your dream follow your passion and let wisdom become your wonder and wonder become your wisdom
0: Wow, that's amazing advice. I'm so motivated. Thank you so much for telling me all that you know about smell, Dr. Hurst. I really enjoyed this conversation.
1: You're very welcome.
0: Now I'm going to go back to my kitchen and identify all the smells I can find. And maybe hold my own rotten sneakers contest. (laughs) I mean, it's not a bad idea after all.
1: No, it isn't. So where do you live? So maybe the contest can come to you because it, it goes around the country to various places. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Spectacular Science. Spectacular Science is produced and hosted by me, Akshay. Our theme song is by Charan Ramachandran. Special thanks to Dr. Hers for being on my episode. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed the interview. Visit Dr. Hers's website, rachelhers.com. Find the links to our books in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please visit our website, spectacularsci.com, to find interactive activities, articles, and blog posts. You can also sign up to our membership, where you can get interactive activities, courses, bonus episodes, and the fact of the day. There's actually a bonus episode that goes with this episode right now. Go check it out by signing up at SpectacularSci.com slash membership. That's SpectacularSci.com slash membership. Thanks! Please contact this podcast by going to SpectacularSci.com slash contact or emailing me at podcast at Com. I love hearing from you, and it makes my day when I get your questions, comments, and show suggestions. Please also subscribe to Spectacular Science on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Amazon Music. It really helps us grow, and you can get all the episodes right there. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Spectacular Science.